okay, I'm warning you up front today, we're finishing 2 Corinthians. So that's like a chapter and a half. That means if you have your Bible, get ready. That's a lot of text. So we're covering a lot of text today because it is all built up to this. Everything you, so say this morning, and it's called examine yourself, some of you will be like, oh no. I don't remember what 2 Corinthians was even about. We've been after this for months. What was 2 Corinthians chapter 2 about? Because when we say test, we think, okay, I'm going to take an exam. I'm going to have knowledge that I need to know. I'm going to have to write things down. I'm going to get a score. I'm going to get a grade. I love tests. (laughs) Oh, I love being a student. Not everybody does. It's not just this kind of test, though, right? I mean, sometimes when we come to church or the Bible, it kind of seems like it's pretty dry because it's like a class you've got to sit through for half an hour while someone talks at you. But, but we're under tests all the time. Okay, I'm going to humble myself. Look, this is this. I, I'm in this picture. This is athletics, right? Athletics is about tests all the time. Every day we had to row. And when we rowed, your seat was always on the line. How are you doing? If you didn't do well enough, someone else took your spot. That's a test, right? So we're like this in all the parts of our life. We're constantly being tested. And so today's message, which says examine yourself, comes out of this idea of, uh, well, you, you as a Christian, right? Uh, take a look at yourself. And when I say that, boy, it almost needs to come with a trigger warning. Because so many people have framed what the test is so differently than what Paul does this morning. I want you to examine yourself to, to, to see something. And I want you to see that you're in it. I want you to take the test. But you've got to know what the test is. In fact, you've got to know what you're taking, right? Like an athletic contest, is that what it is? Like, like a school exam, is that what it is? A spiritual inventory, is that what's going on? I think it's, if you've followed us in 2 Corinthians, not what you might think. Right? Actually, this whole letter's been about <laughs> different than I thought when we started. I mean, he's, he's gone through, Paul has, over and over, and made this case for you and me. That we've got this amazing treasure in jars of clay. I don't want a jar of clay. I'd like a jar of titanium, please. I want to see myself burnished and built up. I want to see strength and power. I want to see all these things happen as I, you know, do spiritual exercise. I want to see spiritual results. And, and, and Paul comes in and he says, you know what? It's totally different than you think, you guys. This Bible, this word that we stand on with all of our heart, and this is what it means to be a Christian. And Paul comes and he says to these Corinthians, I'm kind of mad at you because you're not getting it. Right? That's what the book's been about. You know, it doesn't, they've been, they've been sad at Paul because Paul doesn't seem to be, you know, inspiring people to, to, towards, towards giving more and, and doing more and, and being more. Paul, you're kind of a dud. Right? That's been this whole idea that we've been after together as we've gone through. And, and, and Paul, even the last few chapters we've been in, is saying, I'm going to act like a fool. And I want to show you my resume. Let me show you the picture. And it's me being stupid. 
foolish, insane. And I'm even, and he's got the best resume ever. I mean, Paul's like, whoa, you did that? Whoa, God used you to do this? Whoa. Paul says, even me sharing with you this is going the wrong direction because, because the actuality of Christianity is different than you think. Okay, so what's the test? Because we do have power, right? It's, it's resurrection power. It's the incredible power of a, a message, a message not about improvement, but about forgiveness. And it changes everything about you. And if you go, hey, I get it. That, 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 that's, what, that's what it's about. It's about Jesus. It really is. It's about the Son of God who came and died on a cross for you and me. That this is the actual message, and it means something to my life, and it changes who I am and everything. It changes how we see other people. It changes how we live. There's change, but it's just not as I'm tempted all the time as the world devalues. So as Paul ends this letter, he's used himself, his example, in a really, in a really real way. He's been angry. He's been sarcastic. He's been ironic. He's been all these ways. Oh, and his, his personality comes out more than almost any other letter, I feel like. But it's all with the point of saying there's something really deep here. He's tearing down any hope that we have in our works in our own power. Even power we think God's helping us to do. <laughs> and he doesn't just deconstruct, he builds, right? This idea of Christ for us, Christ who is weak, and, and in his weakness, there's something amazing going on for you and for me. So, so that's the message, forgiveness in Christ. And here's the text this morning that we need to go through. It starts in chapter four, uh, 12, verse 14. And first I want us to find the subject. Like, who needs to take the test? Okay, so walk with me. Here we go. Verse 14. Here for the third time, Paul writes. I'm going to go pretty quickly in this first section so we, we get to the main point. Here for the third time, I'm ready to come to you. And I won't be a burden, for I seek not what is yours, but you. So he, he starts off and he's going to be talking about, like, whoa, what his heart is. He says, I will not be a burden, for I seek not what is yours, but as you, for children are not obligated to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. If I love you more, am I to be loved less? But granting that I myself did not burden you, I was crafty, you say, and got the better of you by deceit. Did I take advantage of you through any of those whom I sent to you? I urged Titus to go and sent the brother with him. Did Titus take advantage of you? Did we not act in the same spirit? Did we not take the same steps? Okay. Boy, it sounds like Paul's ready to get into argument mode again as we start off, right? But really what he's doing is setting up for them this exam. And, and, and that starts with, right, how do you think of me? Because they thought of Paul as someone they were evaluating, someone they were suspicious of. That's what he says, right? He says, hey, you guys, you're thinking I'm being crafty. You're thinking I'm being, I, I, I'm being somehow deceitful. And the issue was, and we've been through this in the past, right? The issue was that he wasn't taking money from them. So it's almost like they thought he was doing some sort of underhand marketing. You know, it's one of the marketing techniques that people use. It's like, don't give anything. You, got, you don't have to give anything. But really what he wants is for you to give a lot. No, this is totally free. It's just so, but really what he wants to do is engage you so that you And they're going, he's like that, you know, this Paul guy. He's saying, what are you, are you kidding? I'm like your dad. 
I just have a heart for you, like a parent does. That's what he says, right? I'm being poured out. What I want is you. You're not thinking rightly. And I've been, I've been pouring myself out for you. I don't want your stuff. I do want you. You had a real relationship with Jesus. Don't give me anything. Don't give Titus anything. You, you know, I've, I'm not being crafty. That's what he says, right? But, but, but this is the deal. This is why it's important. He says, you think you're evaluating me. You think you're coming into this argument. It's like, I'm going to evaluate Paul and see if he's good or not. I'm going to test Paul. He says, no, the, the, the people who are being tested, that's you. Look what he says. Have you been thinking all along we have been defending ourselves to you? It is in the sight of God that we've been speaking in Christ and all for your upbuilding, beloved. See, I'm not defending myself. I am the apostle. And Jesus met with me. I went to the third heaven. I, 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 Paul has all these things that he's done that God has done through him. He's just truthfully the apostle. And the people that are needing to receive him are the Corinthians, are the church. Right? That's what he's saying. You need to evaluate yourselves. Right? The issue is you. You're the ones who need to be defending yourself. You're the exam subjects. <laughs> That's the whole idea. For I fear that perhaps when I come, I may find you not as I wish, says Paul to them. And that you may find me not as you wish. That perhaps there may be quarreling or jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, disorder. Yeah, I fear, says Paul, that you might not receive me, who am God's messenger for you. That would be tragic for you. And you set yourself up as judges, and it leads to what? This stuff, says Paul. What stuff? Quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility. Note what this list is. It's not a list of immorality. It's a list of relational discord. It's a, it's a list when people argue among themselves. It's among when they say, I'm right, and the other person says, no, I'm right, and they fight and they quarrel. It's about power and who controls it. It's about the strength and who has it. It's about who's the best and fighting to make sure that you defend yourself about your position. And it leads to this, says Paul, badness. That's, that's what he's saying, right? I fear I'll find all these relational problems and, and, and his list is there. This defensiveness, this fighting over who's right, who's wrong, who's better. It's been their whole trouble. They don't get it. What don't they get? Paul would say to them, you know, you, you, you think I'm a burden, but I'm not a burden. I invest in you. You don't invest in me. I'm your dad. I, I, I live to lay my life down for you. Paul would say, you know, you think I've been crafty and deceitful, but actually I'm loving you. I'm not taking advantage of you. Paul would say, you think I'm defending myself, but I'm not. I'm the one in charge. I'm actually the one who has met with God. Well, I do too. No, you don't. Paul did. He wrote half the Bible, the New Testament. I know it's an exaggeration. It's 33% or something. That's 33% more than me or you. This guy actually had the direct line from God 
You say, well, let's make sure he's a good speaker. What? No, the issue, says Paul, is you. I'm afraid I'm going to come to a mess and you won't like the cleanup. They should be thinking, Paul exists to build me up. He isn't after gain. He's not after my pocketbook. I, I want him to see that, that, that we're living in forgiveness, the love that God has for us, not in the community-killing stuff that reflects unforgiveness of this quarreling and jealousy and anger and hostility and all these things. And, and it refers back to his whole history with them. He's had a long history. We've seen some of it. He says this, I fear when I come again, my God may humble me before you. I may have to mourn over many of those who sinned earlier, haven't repented of the impurity, the sexual morality, the sensuality that they have practiced. Tell you what, you read this passage and your eyes go to those three words because we love to think about sexuality. What? What they were doing? What's going on? Well, he says it's not just about the mess. I'm afraid God might humble me before you. I don't understand how that even fits in there, Dax. This is kind of confusing. Yeah. It's not that he expects them to be sin-free. That's not what he's saying. It's that he worries that they might not have changed their mind, repented about the crazy sin that they do. The whole thing, remember 1 Corinthians 5 and the whole interaction they had where you should kick that guy out of the church because he's, man, incest is just terrible. And they're proud about it. That's the problem. They're proud about it. It's not, oh, I fell into a sin. It's so bad. I struggle against sin, but I fall again. That's awesome. That's Matthew 18, restoring your brother. You don't have to be like doing it perfectly. They have to know I'm a sinner. And these guys are saying, at least initially, I'm proud that I sin. Paul's like, I'm kind of afraid I'm going to get there. And God's going to humble me. Why why not humble them? Because Paul's going to lose it. Instead of the whole message that he's been around, instead of the entire piece that he's been around, which is, it's about weakness, it's about about the resurrection power of God in me, it's about forgiveness. But if I see sin, I've got to call it out. Because that's the law. Right? That, that's where he's going. Paul afraid. He, he shouldn't be afraid. People are sinners. Their only hope is Jesus. They don't need to be free of sin. They need to be sad over their sin, to agree at sin. That's always the case with Christianity. People are stuck on transformation. Like, like repentance means not sinning anymore. But repentance is a change of mind about whether you're good or not. And, and they want to say they are, but in reality they aren't. And if you would acknowledge that you aren't, now we're getting towards the test. They need to take the exam. So this is the exam. The subject is you and me. Not Paul. Not, 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 the, not the, the bringer of the authoritative message of the word of God. We don't say, wow, I wonder if the Bible's really true. That is not the exam we're taking today. It is true. We've got to take an exam of us. Look what he says in chapter 13. This is the third time I'm coming to you. Every charge must be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. <laughs> I love this. This is kind of a sidelight, but it's so great. You know, this is an Old Testament thought from Deuteronomy that you had to have two or three witnesses in order to establish a truth. And Paul says, well, I've come three times. Truth number one, Paul's first visit. Witness number two, Paul's second visit. Witness number three. He's like, he, but Paul, that's you. The, you're the witness every time. Yeah, I bring the word of God, he says. 
I am the authority, Paul says. And here I come again. And now it's been established. What's been established? Well, I warned those who sinned before with all the others. I warn them now when I'm absent. I did it when present on my second visit. If I come again, I will not spare them. Since you seek proof that Christ is speaking in me. Hey, if you need proof, here's the third time it's confirmed. If I come again, I'm not sparing them. They're proud. Okay? He is not weak in dealing with you, but is powerful among you. For he is crucified in weakness, but lives by the power of God. We also are weak in him, but in dealing with you, we will live with him by the power of God. This is why we don't really teach 2 Corinthians. What in the world? What is he talking about? It's hard to understand, but it has been Paul's contention all along, right? This is actually really important for you to start to understand. They think very rationally, like us, that you get rid of weakness with power. That's the world, you guys. That's me rowing. That's me taking the exam. I study to get strong, so I remember. And because I studied and worked, then I do well in the exam. I work hard. I go lift weights. Come on, go lift weights with me. You lift weights. What happens? You get stronger. You have more power. Your weakness goes away. So you got this power and weakness thing. Power kicks out weakness. And you, and this is the method we use, man, I'm going to lift my weights so that I will eventually be so strong, I will not be weak any longer. But Paul's saying something different. Paul understands power to be present and effective only within weakness. This is huge. It's the word of Christ. It's the word of the cross. Christians suppose, right, that there's this power And in power, no weakness might be present. If you can gain power, you can get rid of weakness. And then we apply that sort of spiritually. So so, so if I I have the power of God, then, then I won't have the weakness of sin. Isn't that how you think? Man, if you really want to be holy, you won't sin. What is sanctification but no sinning? Is it? Is that what you think? Is that what 1 John 1 says? Is that what Paul is saying? No. Paul's not saying you work out in the Bible, Jim, so that you're not weak, and power, therefore, is the getting rid of the weakness of you. Paul is saying, no, no, wait. It's the opposite. Only in weakness is power present. It overcomes it without removing it. This is really big for how you think. This is the only way we can actually operate in this church. Anywhere is if we think, I have Jesus while I'm still a sinner. Why does that have to be true? Because you're still a sinner. Anyone who's not, come see me afterwards. I really want to meet someone who doesn't sin. I look in the mirror every day. I sin every day. Yet, do I have Christ? Yeah. Do you? Hope so. That's going to be the exam. Let's take a look. 
Because this is the idea. I hate it. I want to be better and stronger and overcome in myself. Instead, I get this promise, and faith is trusting that the promise is true. And then I struggle with sin and weakness and the things I don't like. And so what I want to say is, until I get over that, I'm not in Christ. That this is what the fight is, is for me to get more powerful. And Paul, if you've missed it, this whole book has been him saying, we don't look like much. We don't seem to have much strength. You look at me, Paul, I look like nothing. But I've got the very power of God. It's got to mean something, right? It, It comes in this promise what's being happened is i'm being saved from myself the problem is me it it comes in this to live with him right because he is in his weakness jesus christ came in weakness what was his power he died he got beaten up and died that's like the weakest thing ever and then he's raised from the dead in power this is our hope this is our message Is it your hope? This is the exam. Examine yourselves, Paul says, to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. I cannot tell you how often I've seen people stand where I'm standing and just rip this out of context and say, you navel gaze. You make sure that you're not in any sin. Or you're not Christ's. I watched one this week, an amazing man of God, and he was standing and saying, if you don't have these nine evidences and have all of them, you are not a Christian, not going to heaven, going to hell. And he started listing stuff off. Reading your Bible getting out of sin more and more, becoming stronger is the whole idea of it. Paul's whole letter in 2 Corinthians has been the opposite. His whole piece has been, we're weak. Examine yourself. Now, it's not, are you immoral? Are you, are you tearing people down? Do you have the evidences that you're good and strengthening in goodness and good deeds and right thinking and right actions? Are you better? That's baloney. Sorry, Oscar Mayer. But that, that means I don't think it's true. Examine yourselves, plural, all of you, he says. This, it, 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 this is what we do together as a church and individually sure to do what? To see if you are in the faith. What does that mean? Right? You're believing. What does it mean? What, what do you believe? That, that's what he's getting at, faith. That the object of your trust is Jesus. And not the act of believing, but the objectiveness of it. Faith is a space, right? It's being in Christ. Uh, you know what he expects you to say quickly? Yes! Say, well, let me give you the exam, and it's a one piece of paper with one question on it, and it says, do you trust Jesus? Yeah, it's my only hope. Done! That's what he says to you. 
I don't think God says that to me. What I think God does is he has a long list of all the things I should be doing. And, and, and we'll see. And, and, and it starts with the Ten Commandments. But you know there's 632 commands, positive and negative, in the Old Testament. And another 400 some in the New Testament. He, he has a list and he's seeing how I'm doing. And he said, you know, Santa Claus, you've been, you've been nice. And I, 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 the best I can ever do is say I'm nicer than you. Usually I can't even say that. That's not Paul. Paul says, examine yourselves. He says, I'm weak, right? I sin. That's what I do when I examine myself. I see my sin. I see my imperfections and I receive something. What do I receive? Forgiveness. I receive forgiveness. This is the message Paul's gone over over and over and over. Do you know what? You receive forgiveness. Well, well and what he's mad at is some people they say they don't need it. I don't need forgiveness. I'm righteous in all that I do. I'm so mad at you, says Paul. You need Christ. Are you in the faith? That's the test. I hate that I sin. I hope only in Jesus for me because that's the issue. Is That's what he says, right? Do you not realize this is about yourselves? That Jesus Christ is in you. He said, but I sinned. And you have Christ. What is that? Forgiveness. This is the message. Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. So the test is not, are you strong and transformed? You can fake all kinds of stuff that you do. The question for you, the question, the test to take, for us to take, is do we trust Christ? You do realize that you are weak and have been given Christ. Do you realize that the hope of you and every single person here is that the only, only ever is in what Jesus has done for them? For us. Not anything that we've done or will do. Do we realize that we are a sinner? Do I realize I am a sinner So is the person next to me. So is the person across the room. So are you. So are you. Everybody I can point. We're sinners. What do we receive? Forgiveness. How do I do that? I just trust it because that's the message. If instead what I'm doing is comparing you to see how good you look, I'm back on the, the treadmill. I am on the gym. I am on the seat in my boat rowing, hoping that I can beat you. It's not Christianity. This is where Paul's going. Christ in us, the hope of glory, is that he has forgiven us by what he has done. And, and, and the best I can do is, is going, you know, I was, I was a runner, so I do is I, you step up to the line in your race, you know, you're going to run a mile, and you got all these other guys around, you look around, and I would look around, and I could identify right away who was going to be the competition. The, sh- the, 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 the pudgy person next to me was not the competition. I could tell they hadn't worked out enough. You know, 50 pounds overweight, you're not going to make it very fast around the track. There's always the short, slim, like because if you're tall, usually that's you're not a great runner too. But short, looks like you can just run without even stopping. You know, man, I better watch out for that guy. That's the world. That's the world. Right? Because the reality is the short, pudgy, fat nobody runs the track and they don't even finish. They don't even finish. They're not the winner. 
And then you got like Carl Lewis. Okay, I'm dating myself. Kareem, LeBron, whoever. They come up and they say, I want to give you all my records. I want to give you all my abilities to run. I want to give you every, I'm just going to give it to you. And then not so you can go out and run fast, like somehow now you're going to smoke everybody else, but my accomplishments are just yours. They counted to you. You say, well, Jesus didn't make me fast to run. Say, okay, I get it. Come, be in my family. Come, be part of me. Come have my fame and reputation. Come, come just be around. You, you know, I, I'm, I'm the bomb and I choose you. You're in my family today, forever. You say, no, 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 he's going to pick the guy who ran really fast. No, he picked you. He's offering forgiveness to you. You say, but I'm the fast guy that runs really fast. No, you're not. You're the pudgy nobody. That's Christianity. That's what he means. That's where he's going. Christ for us. Uh, we'll finish this. So I hope I will find that we haven't failed the test. That sort of our hope isn't in our strength. It's in the forgiveness of Christ for us. But we pray to God that you may not do wrong. Not that we may appear to have met the test, but you may do what is right, that we may seem to have failed. I don't even care what we look like. I don't care if you think we run fast or slow. I don't think you think that we're doing awesome things or not. I just care about you that you would receive Christ alone. That's what he's saying. For we cannot do anything against the truth, only for the truth. This gospel's the truth. For we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. Your restoration is what we pray for. I'm so glad when you hold fast to this because restoration is everything. Oh, that you would see God smiling on you, not because you're getting strong at the gym, but because Jesus has done it for you. Oh, so fabulous. And he says, for this reason, I write these things to you while I'm away from you, that when I come, I may not have to be severe in my use of the authority that the Lord has given me for building up, not for tearing down. If there's unrepentant sin, I got to tear it down. You being prideful over your sin, I got to tear it down. But I so hope to build you up in the gospel that you and I might share the truth that forgiveness is full and free in Christ, that you want to receive that. This is what he's saying. This has been the point of the whole letter coming right down here. Finally rejoice, brothers. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. Okay, this is all of a sudden, boom, I'm done. No, 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 see. The whole point has been, oh, this is so good. The point of the idea when people say examine yourselves mostly is to try and get you convicted to be a better person. Maybe God will accept you if you would find yourself working harder for him. Maybe God would be for you if you were better than you are, you slug. There's not a lot of rejoicing in that message. Paul, on the other hand, is saying, do you get it? God is for you. Would you humble your hearts? Would you, would you look in the mirror and say, you know what? I'm a terrible runner. Oh, how I long to be free of sin, and I'm not. Oh, how weak I am. I'm so weak. I'm not strong. I'm weak. And Paul says, you know what? There's rejoicing there. Why? Because Jesus Christ comes. 
and he actually forgives you. And he's in you. I don't know how this works. Union is amazing, but it's promised in the Bible. It's actually a promise that we have. It's incredible. So Paul has hammered home this upside-down approach to life itself, totally against the world. Honestly, totally against what many evangelical Christians try and push at you. Oh, that you might be saved from that. Because they are about how strong you are. They are about how much do you love, how much do you do, how much transformation has happened, and you go measure it, and that'll be your exam. And Paul gives a totally different exam. Things are not what they seem. God has an incredibly loving heart towards you. Jesus died for you. Not so you'll get strong enough to die for someone else. It's, it's, it's like what Jesus said. We read it this morning in, in Luke chapter 12. He says, ah, that's the end. The grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God, fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. It's just his standard. Oh, God's with you. But I want to show you Luke, Luke 12, 32. Fear not, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You know, when, when, when so many people try and use examining yourself to look and see how well you're doing, do you know what it provokes? One is anxiety. If I want to go into your life, you want to get together, I'll do this with you. We can go through your life and we, will, we can list out your goodnesses and how strong you are in different areas and how much you've transformed and whether it's been enough. And the answer is always going to be no. You can do better. How come you're not doing better? How come you're not doing more? You know what you start to do? Start get defensive. How are you doing, Dax, when you say that? You know, what about that person over there? They're, they're not doing as much as me. You start getting angry. You start getting, all these things Paul says, no, 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 because you're taking the wrong exam. That exam leads to anxiety like you're never enough. Take this exam, says Paul, and the exam that he has given us today that said, are you in Christ? Is that where your hope is? Do you hope in, in what Jesus has done? He's done everything. I'm such a sinner and I hate that I am. I'm not saying I love it. I hate it. I wish I did it. But I fall down again. There I go again, caught in this trap. Here I am again. There I go judging again. Where's my hope? And oh, what's the exam? I really do believe that Jesus died for me. He forgives me. That's why we take communion. This gives hope. I suddenly realize, oh, it's the Father's good pleasure to give me the kingdom. Me. Pudgy me, I can't even run around the track. And look what Christ has done. Our weakness, our need for forgiveness, all the time. It's the base for our hope in this message, not in our strength, in his strength for us. Compassion and patience and joy because restoration has happened and, and it's all Christ. We're in him and we'll be in him forever. We belong because of Jesus. The marker is not ever that you sin less. You still are weak. Stop thinking you're strong. The marker isn't that you get stronger. The marker isn't that you do more acts of kindness somehow. Acts of kindness are great, but you're still weak. You don't do enough. 
it can be faked. If you're a student, if you're an academic, we'll end, we need to end, but here's a quote from a commentary to kind of give some backup there. Paul makes clear, Mark Seafried in the Pillar Commentary, Paul makes clear that the question of the legitimacy of faith is decided not by any quality inherent to the Corinthians or by any progress they might have made in Christian living. It is decided by whether or not they recognize that Jesus Christ is in them. Shifting the terms of self-examination from faith to Christ, Paul clarifies and defines the nature of the test for the Corinthians to be in the faith is to have Jesus Christ in them to have received Christ. It's still weakness, right? Still sin, still bad, still wrong. I wish it was gone, but I trust that I'm forgiven. This is the message that we have to bring. This is underneath everything. It's not my accomplishment, but the reality that Jesus Christ has grabbed me. He's done it for you too. We receive this. We say, I need this Savior. That's what I need. This is it. It's really good news. And lest you think, as Paul ends this, he's just talking to the Corinthians and this church that was off in the world. He says it all the time. Here's Galatians. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith, trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Would you see, O oh precious people, the depth and the wonder, not that we are anything ever, but that Jesus Christ has done it all for us. Let that permeate your life with Paul, that in weakness, we're strong. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for what you've done. And for this letter of Second Corinthians where Paul is so against what we hear every single day, Forgive us, Lord. We are constantly focusing on ourselves. And Lord, what we need is to receive you. Thank you that we can trust that you've done it all. Thank you that we can trust Paul and his message that you gave him. Thank you that we can trust that you have declared it's finished. Not by works that we have done, but by works you have done. And Lord, for anyone here who's anxious, who's prone to navel-gazing, who thinks they're not enough. Lord, that you might break through that with the wonder of what you've done for us. That in our weakness, your power is amazing. The comfort to bring the truth of salvation through you alone. Thank you that you've done it, Jesus. In your name we pray.